This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. You know, one of the most wonderful things that people could do when you're in broadcasting is be a part of giving something away. Welcome back to Kelly and Ramya. Kelly McDonald here. Danielle McLaughlin is filling in for Ramya, who is away today. But let me tell you a little bit about said giveaway. I know I fooled you. You thought, oh, he's going to go off into something else and tell us tune in later to find out. Find out now. It's the time. Enter now uh, to win a uh, Temper Pro Adapt Mattress. Tempur-Pedic mattresses are designed with one-of-a-kind uh, Tempur-Pedic material to precisely adapt to your weight, shape, and temperature, offering unmatched temperature, comfort, and support, folks. For complete rules on how you can get in on this before February 8th, that's our deadline, and anything that you might need to know there or questions you might have about it can be answered at ami.ca slash kr for Kelly and Rumya contest. Check it out now, please, folks. Don't forget. I mean, all right, set a reminder. Stay to the end of the show. Then go in and make sure that you get yourself registered. As mentioned a little while ago, Danielle McLaughlin is with me today. I'm, I'm Kelly McDonald. Kelly community reporter Annette Dennis will join us now with news from London, Ontario. Hello, Annette. Good afternoon. How are you guys doing today? Very well. Lovely to have you with us. And I nice understand you've got some interesting topics for us. Uh, so where would <laughs> you like to start? Kind of a mixed bag today. Yeah. So um, the first topic is actually uh, blind soccer is coming to London. So that's very exciting. Um, they're having um, a six session sort of workshop um, starting a week today. So January 23rd. Um, and then there will be, it's there. It's going to happen on Monday, so February 13th, 27th, March 6th, 20th, and 27th. So a bit scattered throughout, um, but six sessions in total. Um, time and location to be determined. Um, folks can find out that information when they register. Um, and yeah, so basically all folks need to have, um, they have to have their own court shoes, flat sole, or running shoes, and then um, the the soccer organization will obviously be pro providing the equipment like the soccer, uh, the soccer balls, and then the padded eye covers. And then folks, when they register to take it, they will also get a special T-shirt um, from the White Caps London logo. And then, um, um, yeah, and then five-a-side soccer on the one side as well. So um, the sessions will run one and a half hours each, and they will cover you know, from the very beginning, introduction, orientation, you know, what is blind soccer? And then they kind of take you through and, and teach you all, all the basics of, of how to play, you know, um, ball manipulation, passing, shooting, um, you know, the whole wow. thing. And, and and they build on it every week and go back. And then at the very end, they, it will culminate in an actual game. So, yeah, it sounds pretty exciting. I, I know there's been a lot of talk about soccer, um, mm -hmm. five-a-side soccer yeah. lately. So it's exciting. Yeah, a lot of people seem to be, and, and you saw it in the, the Paralympics, of course, uh, and Canada doesn't have that representation yet. So very interesting to see these folks trying and spreading it out. I think that's the best way for people to kind of grab something, go home and play a little bit with it. But, uh, you know, uh, observe it. Go ahead, Danielle. Well, I was going to say that, so you, there's instruction involved. You can uh, learn while while you play, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's not, um, I initially last August, they were going to have a one day workshop. Um, and then they, um, I got postponed and they put this one forward. And it sounds like a really well thought out, um, well organized program to really give you a good overview and confidence in, in, in how to play and whether or not you're interested, it's something maybe you want to participate in. Um, and there, there is a fee involved. Um, it is um, with the taxes and everything, it's $150. Um, and uh, if folks, the registration link will be up on um, the blog, but if folks have any um, questions, concerns, have problems with the registration form, they can email info at whitecapslondon.ca. Um, and they are, the deadline to register is uh, this Wednesday. And like I said, it starts a week today, but yeah, definitely they're very receptive. If you have any questions, just reach out to them. And that's Whitecaps awesome. London. They're the, they're the organizers. A couple of them went up to Lake Joe um, when they had the training there. I think it was last spring. Um, they did that. So they sound really excited to be offering this to the London community. Sounds great. Yeah, it's a, a very growing, uh, you know, in the sense of people who are passionate about it, really trying to spread the word and get people out there. You can go to ami.ca slash kellyco as well. We put all these up on our blog. Uh, Annette, let's move on to the mindfulness challenge, which is very interesting. A lot of places, including workplaces, starting to do some of these things to kind of get people in different places and thinking about different things, such as simply breathing. Uh, what's this about? Yeah, so this is uh, the Mindfulness Challenge 2023, and it's taking place uh, Sunday, March 26th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. So it is a bit, a little ways off, but it is a fundraiser, so I thought I would throw it in here today. So if folks nice. are interested, it gives them a bit of time to, to raise some funds. So it's, like I said, it's from 10 until 1. It's live on Zoom. Um, it is free to register, and you can donate if you want to, or you can just kind of focus on the fundraising aspect. And I, I really like this idea because... Um, you're fundraising for a good cause, but then you're also gaining three hours of, of um, learning and growing as far as mindfulness and meditation. So they're calling this, it's a virtual fundraiser, but they're calling it a medit meditate-a-thon. And it's uh, brought to, um, forward by <laughs> nice. you know, the Center for Mindfulness Studies, which is in, based in Toronto. And the, it's going to go to their program, um, supporting mental health for folks, uh, underserved communities uh, throughout Canada. Um, so yeah, it's a really interesting, um, they're going to, the instructor is a mindfulness-based instructor. She's, I think she's based in Florida and she has like a community of a thousand. So she's well-versed in this. Um, and so it's going to be a three hour, um, you know, exploration with a variety of meditation and techniques. And there also is going to be a movement practice at the end. And those who register will also have an opportunity. They will be getting a one-hour walking meditation that they can use at a later mm. date and kind of explore on their own. Um, yeah, and they have, when you register, um, they give you resources if you're comfortable doing, you know, not everybody's comfortable fundraising, right, right. but they do have resources if you want to share via email or social media. Um, yeah, and they do have prizes. You can register as an individual or group. Um, and they do have prizes that, you know, if you hit a certain goal, you'll be entered in to win different prizes. And if you do um, fund, manage to fundraise $50 or more, you'll also get a book. Um, the instructor does have a book out as well. Um, and I have the title here. Uh, it is called, um, oh gosh, where is it now? Um, Sit Down to Rise Up, um, <laughs> How Radical Self-Care um, Can Change the World. So um, wow. it sounds like a really fun opportunity. Sounds like you know, great... uh, ladies, I don't know, and and Danielle, Annette, how much experimenting with 
mindfulness techniques have you done? I'm curious to Danielle, I'll come to you in a second about this. I, I find what people, each person has our own thing, whether it's the breathing thing we swear by, taking stock, uh, reflection. Uh, what are some of the things, Annette, that, if any, that you find yourself doing or that works for you? Um, well, I think my first introduction to this sort of concept was when I, I um, took a yoga class and it was um, a Phoenix Rising, the instructor. It was very, very easy therapeutic poses and she brought a lot of mindfulness and Buddhism into it. And that was kind of my first um, um, experience with it. And um, again, like, I think even I dabbled a little bit over the years taking courses and I did um, take advantage of um, when the pandemic hit, uh, the CNIB started offering meditation programs uh, online. So kind of, and um, you kind of learning to incorporate it into your daily life and learning to breathe. And and if you get overwhelmed, kind of just pause and, and you know, kind of self-regulate and calm down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I took a clowning course once and we did meditation. As part of it, we we took a lot of time to try to get ourselves into what they called your your, your perfect clown, but a lot of it was was a meditation technique. Danielle, anything that you've done? Or well, I remembered being introduced to mindfulness by being told to eat a raisin and take as long as you could to do that, and you know, right. savor it, taste it, the yep. texture. Um, I've never spent so long with a raisin before, but uh, it was it was an experience, um, you know, and, and the idea of just trying to calm your mind. I sometimes feel like I've got a dragon crashing around in there and I would really like it to calm down a little bit. So I think it's it's an excellent idea. It's yeah, funny that you nice. mentioned that because there are so many, I mean, um, people come up from different perspectives and learning uh, curves and there's so many different techniques and I think that's don't give up if I find people if there's one if a teacher has one technique and it doesn't really um, resonate with you just to sit back and try because there's so many different sensory options whether it's through taste your different senses your your hearing um, your taste your texture um, there's so many ways of approaching this and it's it's so it's really so versatile and open to anybody and everyone I think that's right I think so now, yeah, and the really good thing is, and, and the, the, the program does support, it, it teaches um, like frontline workers, social workers, mental health professionals, it gives them this training so they can pass it on to their clients, whether it's uh, vulnerable clients, whether it's newcomers to Canada, uh, young kids, seniors, vulnerable populations. So it's, it sounds like a really wonderful program that they're doing um, here. And they also do have bursaries as well if folks want to take some other eight-week programs that they offer. Um, online as well so oh, sounds like a very a very useful skill to have for sure now you're going to tell us the truth about <laughs> cats and dogs i'm dying to know more about that i saw this title and i thought i just have to have to have to include this one in so i think there was actually a movie about that once upon a time um so yeah so this is an online course it's it's through coursera they also offer all sorts of different programs from easy you know, um, general learning to advanced courses. But so, and this is um, together by the University of Edinburgh. Um, and it is a free course, or if you want a certificate at the end, it's $65. The content's the same. Um, and it's presented through video presentations. Um, they have questionnaires, um, uh, you know, a little testing at the end, and they have transcripts and that sort of thing. And then they have extra resources if folks want to learn. And it's basically, exploring uh, the world of cats and dogs, um, their behavior, uh, the way they communicate with us, with themselves. 
I mean, it's basically the goal is to 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 learn and better and strengthen our relationships with our companion animals. Um, now, it is divided into five different topics. Um, and every, you know, every you kind of do it at your own pace. They ask you to set goals, but you can do it at your own pace. Um, again, so they're exploring the world of cats and dogs and how our relationship with them vary around the world, which is always an interesting idea, you know, culturally and where you live in the world and how it has changed over time. Um, can we really know our, our companion animals, how they think and how they're trying to communicate with their behavior and expressions? Um, and awesome. yeah, so it just sounds like a what, really, what, really interesting. What is your, we'll what is your dog? What is your dog really trying to tell you? I think exactly. <laughs> exactly. always very good information to have. Well, thank you so much, Annette. Thanks for having me. Take care. You too. That was Annette Dennis, who is our community reporter in London, Ontario. We'll put it up on ami.ca slash Kelly Cole. Danielle and I will be back in a moment, folks. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Thanks for being with us, folks. Wherever you're listening in, it's always wonderful to have you with us. Kelly McDonald here, Danielle McLaughlin hanging out with me today in Ramya's absence. And of course, asking the big question to Danielle, are you having fun yet? I am having fun. How could you not have fun with Kelly? I mean, it's not even, you're not even allowed not to have fun with Kelly, right? Well, you're in our brand new studio there at AMI, next to that fantastic control room. Did you go wander around in there and get lost? It's I, huge. I did walk around in there. It's certainly changed from the last time I was at the AMI studios. It's got all these monitors and bright colors and lights and things that go beep in the night. And then this studio with the columns behind me that are purple and white and quite lovely. Um, I was really blown away. It's so nice being here. When we first started doing TV, we used the space you're in for a little studio. If we had to have people in, I remember actually interviewing uh, the prime minister before he was the prime minister ah. in there. Justin Trudeau came for a visit and we did an interview, a TV interview way back years ago. Uh, and then that space was converted to office space, didn't need it. And now nice to see it being back used in, in its original intention uh, as a studio. And boy, is it being used for our show and now with Dave Brown. So awesome lovely? stuff. Yeah, so much and so much history always to recite. That's what happens when you're here too long. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think long I used enough. the wrong words there. <laughs> yeah, I'll think about it some more, you know, for, for a long time. That's it. Um, one of, folks, one of the things we're always trying to do is eliminate passwords. It's a desperate solution we've been after so we can get rid of them. They're still going to be around for years. We know this in heart. So... Kelly and Ramya contributor Grant Hardy, reporter out there in Vancouver, joins us. And he's going to talk a little bit about how come it's so important to use a password. And he's going to share with us about the one he uses, Strongbox. Grant, welcome back. Good day to you. Hi, good day. Good day. Just making sure I'm logged on here. Password one, two, three. That's my password. Okay, good. We're all set. Boy, is that a strong no. password. <laughs> Grant, can you tell us right off the bat, what is a password manager? 
Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of us are probably familiar with the concept by now, but the basics are that uh, humans are not great at remembering totally random letters and numbers and words in weird combinations. That's just not something <laughs> our creative brains are designed for. Uh, but uh, if you use the same passwords across all your multiple sites and services, uh, that's a really a problem because even though something like Google, Gmail, YouTube might be secure, your random gamingforum.com may not be so secure. And what can happen is that someone hacks into randomgamingforum.com, they figure out your password, they try it on your banking website, and hello, they've got money. So a password manager uh, allows you to generate passwords that you don't even have to remember because they're just random right. letters and numbers. And then it encrypts it behind one master password that you remember. So you enter your password or sometimes you can store it behind face ID, like fingerprint or facial recognition. You unlock it, it autofills your password and you're ready to go. Now, you have a password manager that you really like. Can you tell <laughs> us more about that one? Yeah, I use, uh, because I primarily use an iPhone and a Mac, I use an app called Strongbox. I really like it because it's developed by an indie developer, super nice guy, uh, who also cares deeply about accessibility, like voiceover. Uh, so if there's any little quirk that happens with voiceover, I you just uh, write to him and more likely than not, it'll be, oh, I've... I got a fix out for this tomorrow. It should show up in the app store soon. Uh, but uh, it's packed with features. I really, really like it. It's a native app. You know, a lot of password managers are switching to these web technologies where it's like a giant web page that you have to navigate instead of a native app. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yep. that doesn't work. Yep. We, we all know mm -hmm. uh, the, the T word teams <laughs> we all know what those apps can feel uh, like uh, uh but uh, so that's why i use this it's just really uh, elegant and i love it but it also uses an open format so basically if the company went under today mm -hmm. you just take your password database and open it in a different app and you oh, pick wow. right up wow that's excellent something. oh boy now yeah, you feel really you is. feel really secure with with strongbox you feel that it's really doing what you want it to do and that Nobody can can break in, shall we say? Uh, well, the nice thing about this format and this app, I mean, I'm not a security expert myself, but they're open source, so a lot of people can uh, audit them. Uh, I know the format that it uses has been audited quite a bit. Uh, it also mm -hmm. provides some interesting like encryption uh, features because if you want to have... Uh, you know, your master password is something you know, but if you also want to yes. encrypt it with something you have, you can use one of those little keys uh, that you have to tap against your phone in order to log in. Uh, and that's part of the encryption, how the file is encrypted. Uh, so, you know what, like, am, do I have a PhD in security? No, I don't. Uh, but I think for my purposes, uh, it seems to work really well and is secure. The other thing, you may have heard about a password manager that was uh, hacked recently. Uh, yeah, but the yeah. thing about that app is they didn't actually encrypt all the fields. So what can happen is even though your passwords were encrypted, uh, the hackers 
could tie you back to all of the websites that you visited and had accounts right. at. So oh, that's dear. not great. What I like about this app is oh. everything is encrypted. Okay, so we'll get into other features because I know for myself, I remember having to strengthen my passwords just by using a convention, and that was great. Mm-hmm. I, I'm quite proud of what I finally came up with, but I know there's such a redundancy. We tend to use the same thing, and I guess that's when you can leak into these holes that were left being unprotected like that. You just go back, and eventually you find something that leads you to figuring that out or corrupting it. Do you want to tell us a little bit about some more of the features uh, that this manager actually has, Grant? Sure. Uh, well, one thing that is kind of interesting is there's a uh, password auditing feature. Um, so you can turn on a feature where if your passwords are shorter than a certain length, if you've reused passwords, uh, if you're not using the highest security that you could be using, uh, or even if your passwords have leaked in a password database, it can show all those issues for you so you can easily uh, correct them. Uh, that is a pretty nice feature to have. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Sync is really cool. So the way that this works, your passwords are basically stored in an encrypted file. And that can sometimes be a problem because if you modify your file on two separate devices with some apps, it can actually wipe out some of your changes. But Uh this app is smart Mm. enough to like Mm. just automatically kind of sync everything up, all the differences. Uh, all the changes. Uh, so that's really cool. Uh, and of course, we got uh, autofill uh, across multiple apps and browsers. Uh, so you can autofill anywhere you want. And like I said, the cool thing is that the database format is open. So I actually just got uh, a Braille note recently that I've been playing with. Well, Strongbox doesn't work with mm. the Braille note because it uses uh, Android. Right. But since the database is open, I just downloaded another app for my Braille note that works with the same database. And so I can still view my passwords on my Braille note. Right. Interesting. So <laughs> what, what kind of accessibility features uh, does this uh, uh, Strongbox come with? Uh, well, it has full support for uh, voiceover. That's really what I'm most familiar with because I'm blind. Like I said, I think the biggest thing is that there are some developers that just don't care really about voiceover support and some developers that do. uh, And this developer definitely does so that if there is some kind of a quirk or whatever, you just write to him and he gets it all fixed up. Uh, But voiceover users who are familiar with things like the rotor, uh, where you can choose from different actions, like copying a field to the clipboard or Mm -hmm. uh, opening something to preview it, whatever, all that is uh, supported. Uh, Everything, you know, has really clear text labels and everything like that. Uh, So I think the, the, the biggest accessibility feature that I'm familiar with is voiceover, but I know that because the app is native, it's likely to work with the other accessibility features of the operating system Mm -hmm. as well. It's, when you look at the uh, you know accessibility when you look at the someone who is creating something and diligent and makes themselves accessible grant this is such a plus win win because like you talk about open source but this is a different type of open source that's so targeted for those of us in the disability community well i think that 
you know, sometimes it's, I mean, beyond the fact that it's just annoying when something isn't accessible not to be able to use an mm-hmm. app that you want to use, uh, yeah. we're a market. Like, we yes, we spend money on apps when we like apps. We recommend apps. And we want apps. to. <laughs> we want to. And we recommend apps to organizations, accessible apps, because we want organizations to use apps that everyone can use. So it really pays off to make your app accessible, I think, to uh, as many people as you can. You know, I think that that uh, companies have found that as soon as they make something accessible, there will be a use for it um, that the non-disabled community will find, too. So, in fact, they're doing double duty when they make something Mm -hmm. accessible on first design, which is when it should be done. As they say, you can't add the blueberries to the muffins later on. You just (laughs) bake them in, Uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And I, yeah. it's It's an interesting thought to take a poll as to the people who have learned finally that, hey, as you mentioned, Grant, we're going to spend our money. We're going to buy things. We're going to use things. And the easier and more accessible you make them for us, we're there. I, I'd love to know how many manufacturers, how many designers, how many people out there are saying, can't forget these people, and automatically now either share, make sure that these things are these T's are crossed and I's dotted so that we're part of the piece or even see us as that market. If I do this to this, if I take that extra, go that extra mile, I'm going to get the disability community involved. It would be yeah. really interesting to figure figure out how many have learned this now. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think there's this fear sometimes that it's going to be like, crap, there's a bug with voiceover. You know, you guys are like discriminating against, you know, whatever the accessibility community, but like that, that is not going to happen at all. Like people are Mm. super supportive of developers that are trying uh, and trying to uh, improve. And, and again, it's just so important because you can end up having an app used in a big organization used by other people because the company's don't want to have to switch later when they find that the app isn't accessible. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and also are your password habits. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. it's excellent because I I think that you know once one company shows that they can become accessible, then uh, people can say, hey, they did it. What's wrong with you guys, right? Yeah, so for sure. It, and know, that open source is the key. Like really, right. it's so much that people can get in there and do and say, well, I know that, and it just becomes commonplace. Grant, that that's the idea. Well, I hope you guys. Uh, your password habits, how are they? Are they good? Mm. Now. <laughs> yeah. Could be better, always. Okay. Well, <laughs> I guess I'll go check my email here. Let's see. Grant, one, two, three, four, <laughs> password. Okay. All right. We're, we're on. <laughs> I love it. The strength of that password. Thanks, Grant. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Grant Hardy talking to us about his uh, favorite uh, password manager, Strongbox, giving us some tips, telling you what to look for, how to utilize it, and of course, some of the wonderful features. Oh, yes. Coming up next, you're on! The it's Canadian me. Association of Broadcasters say there's a lack of representation of people with disabilities in broadcasting. That lady right over there at the Toronto head office is going to be discussing next. Stay tuned. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute.
you know, there's times where when we're hosting this show, you know, oh boy, coming up next, boy, we better put a seatbelt on. We're in for a ride. And we've got that today. Uh, Kelly McDonald here in the London Home Studio. And my co-host today, Danielle McLaughlin, filling in for Ramya. Uh, she is at our studio in Toronto. And what we often do at this time on the program, and Danielle brings us so many different topics, uh, researched and ready to discuss, and at the end of the day, make us sometimes, if I had the hair, folks, I'd say pull out my hair with the frustration, but at least pull on your ear and think. And that's what we're doing today. As we welcome in to talk about knowing your rights, let's bring in Danielle McLaughlin. Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights. I settle back and think a lot about how far AMI has come. AMI Audio, AMI TV, and those of us who are in that position, like Grant as a reporter, uh, myself, Ramya, Dave as live hosts, and so many responsibilities, those folks doing the podcast that Greg David was mentioning earlier, what their duties are and how they pull them off. And I often sit back with incredible pride about this whole team and what everybody does. However, the Canadian Association of Broadcasters reported that there is a lack of representation of people with disabilities in many areas of broadcasting. Danielle McLaughlin joins me. Um, Danielle, does this come as a surprise to you? You know, I really wish it did, but unfortunately it doesn't. I mean, when we were speaking of the late uh, David Onley, we were talking about how he was one of the first people to be seen in broadcasting using a mobility device. And mm -hmm, things, you know, mm -hmm. things haven't changed a whole lot over that rather lengthy, more than 20 years, that period of time. Um, I'm just going to give you uh, just some of the things that that report you mentioned, the Canadian Association of, of Broadcasters report, uh, right. filled us in. And, you know, here's some of the things they said. The proportion of people with disabilities employed in the communication sector, representation, is well below the number of people with disabilities available to work in this sector. Availability. So we know that there are a lot of very talented, skilled people living with disabilities yes. who are entirely employable. And guess what? Not finding work in that sector. The, in fact, the representation has only improved from 1.7% in 2011 to 3.7% in 2019. Now, oh. I mean, people will say, wow, it's more than doubled. Well, you know, that's not good enough. It's still a no. tiny, tiny percentage. And, you know, we have to keep asking ourselves, why? What isn't happening? None of the, there were 17 employers who participated in this audit. Uh, these are in the, in the telecommunications um, uh, industry. 17 of the employers who participated in the audit met all their legislative obligations. Only half of the employers that participated in the audit reported that their workplaces were accessible and barrier-free. And barriers that were identified in the audit report includes stigma in the workplace and stereotypes mm -hmm. about disabilities. And, you know, as a temporarily able-bodied person, 
Um, I cannot tell you how bored I am with stereotypes about disability. They, it's, t it's time they were over. We, we don't need any more quote unquote inspiration or any of the other things that, you know, are just, just getting very, very old. Um, the lack of disability. Well, all I can tell you is uh, my ears are, are better than yours, don't you know? <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I well, can hear better. It, Danielle, the thing that's, I won't say surprises me, but an interesting takeaway from that is the employers that are at the level, the quota, if yeah. you want to call it, that they're supposed to legislate it. Hey, like we yeah. want to do get this X number of, of persons in with with disabilities representation. The ones who are half, you start saying, okay, the ones who are at half, are just kind of mired in the mud, maybe not seeing it so important or or being stymied by it. You worry that the others, do you go above the line? Yeah. Or is that your stopping place saying, right? okay, well, I've raged it. Let's move on to the next yes. area that we have no, to be. Yeah, I've met, I've met the mark and now, and now I'm going to forget yeah. about it for I'm the done. rest of my life, right? So right. Yeah. one of the problems is a lack of disability awareness training. So for people who've, who are already in the workplace, and again, a very, very small percentage of those people have disabilities or are, are, are employed with disabilities, um, right. you know, why can't the rest of the population in the workplace be brought up to, to, to speed? I don't know the answer to that. Um, there is a lack of employees with disabilities who are role models or mentors. I mean... People like you, Kelly, uh, would be an ideal role model and mentor for somebody who wants to enter the industry and doesn't know how to get a foot in or somebody who's just beginning in the industry mm -hmm. and really wants to know, you know, what does it look like when you are working uh, in the telecommunications industry? And I think, you know, people like you are ideal for this. Not enough. Um, also, um, yeah. Danielle, why do you think not enough? Well, I think Because I, I have a, an answer for you, but okay. what do you think? Well, I just think it's laziness. I think that, that the industry as a whole isn't spending any time, energy, or shall we say money, um, you know, making that outreach that would bring more and more people in by providing them with mentors, among other things. Um, what part of the reason is the difficulty... Um, it, in dealing with the lack of accommodation in, in the workplace. But I'm really interested, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what do you think, Kelly? What do you think the problems so, are? I think some of our issue is those who are in the position may not have the field to be able to be that mentor for someone else. Also personality. Not everybody, I don't want to say, wants to be a mentee or a teacher or I think people get burned out. It's kind of like the person who, you know, is is working and has to every time a new hire happens explain how they do their job, how they can be counted on by a, whether it's that new manager. It, when you stop and say, "Yeah, but I'm not paid by the company to be the ambassador and teacher here. I'm paid to sit yeah. down at this desk and do my job." I think that's all a personality thing, and not everybody is desiring or even able to be that person for, for many reasons. And, and again, an example of, 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 I would imagine, the same quotient of people in uh, that non-disabled are in the same same spot. Some people well, say, I, I, I don't I want agree. to teach these new people. Yeah, and, and so often people with disabilities are put into a position, whether they want to or not, where they have to be the educators. Right. You know, I don't really want to explain my disability to you 32 times, um, right, you know, exactly. and I don't want to explain to you to what I can Every new person do. that comes around, Every right? Every time, yeah. right? Yeah. And it, get, it, yeah. it that gets old as well. 
However, I also think that because so many employers really have a lack of confidence in their employees who live with disabilities, that the employees who could be doing much more, including perhaps yes. mentoring, are you know they aren't thought of as as the people who should be doing this. You know, as soon as somebody has to mentor somebody else or teach somebody else, they learn a whole lot themselves. Yeah, and, and it happens know, up and down the board. Yes, yes, it it, it does. Um, you might be interested to know that there was no monitoring of whether there was value in the mentoring and coaching programs that were actually put on for people with disabilities. So even where in, in workplaces where there was some um, mentoring by people with disabilities, nobody went back and said, is it working? You know, what do you think? Right. How, how, right. how does it go? So, you know, that's, that's not very promising. Um, just like the thing to do, right? It's yeah. just the you thing tip, to you, do. You tip your hat, right? You know, here, yes, here we, 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 we've done it. So now we can go on to doing things exactly as we've always done them before. So that's really very frustrating. Um, if individuals were not qualified for managerial positions internally, there were no strategies in place to hire qualified persons externally with disabilities. So, you know, oh, look around. Is there somebody with a disability who can do this job? Nope. Okay, then I guess we don't have to have somebody with a disability. You know, I mean, that's also exhausting. Um, well, and the people with disabilities aren't in the position to get, uh, to be trusted in well, the sense yes. of if they're never given that opportunity to grow into that position yeah. or be mentored into it, the, the, it's hard to show the the credentials, the qualifications yeah. that so many of them are so, were great in school and so well educated, yes. but left behind on that darn line. It's like, it's like the glass ceiling that women have seen as well. Yeah. You know, we'll bring you in at the bottom, but we're not going to do anything to make sure that you rise through the ranks because, you know, we've already done our job by bringing you in. And after that, yeah, well, too bad, you know. And this is this is really troubling. Um, you know, a lack of training on unconscious bias and disability awareness um, means that the people who are in senior positions in some of these industries, uh, you know, don't even know what they're doing and or that they could do things differently. So this, this is really a, a major issue. Um, Many employers, not just some employers, lack any formal accommodation policies and processes. So that even though the Human Rights Commissions tell, tell employers that they are required to accommodate people with disabilities, the employers don't know, they don't know what that means. They don't know what it looks like. And they don't know that it's not just, uh, you know, one size fits all. So if you are required to accommodate an employee who lives with a disability, it's probably not going to be the same accommodation for the next employee who has a disability. And employers haven't spent long enough to even think about this. So, you know, there were unconscious biases during hiring and promotion through promoting candidates who were not disabled, of course. Um, mm -hmm. Inaccessibility in buildings and equipment used in the sector are, you know, that's notorious. You know, all you have to do is put three steps uh, to your studio and then your person who uses a mobility device is suddenly yeah. not able to, and, to do the work that they're perfectly qualified well, to do. Well, and unfortunately, a lot of broadcast institutions, places are not 
maybe due to financial, due to the fact they've been in a certain location forever. It's never been a priority that, hey, we, we better make it accessible because of it's a, hey, we need the best place and, and design the way for what we need to do as a broadcaster or or a, uh, yeah. you know, as a, you know, at journalistic value, not so much, oh, the staff inside. Well, yes, or even that the staff we have today may not be the same staff we have tomorrow. tomorrow. And yep. can can we look at universal design? I mean, if you look at the David Onley report that came out four years ago, you'll see that almost all of this stuff is included in it as recommendations. And surprise, surprise, nothing's happened so far. So, you know, job advertisement, you know, if you're you're looking for a job, you're very unlikely to find that there's an accommodation policy that's posted. Um, so you may not think that you can apply for a job because no. you don't. You're for not sure. even aware that that if if there is a workplace that that has an accommodation policy, they may not even tell you about it. So you know, I have to say that you know here we are at AMI, and AMI is an outlier. It is. It does marvelous work and, and full full marks. Um, you know when it comes to hiring of people with disabilities in many different roles, not, you know, not just in front of the camera, mm -hmm. but, but, but everywhere. And I think that's so important. But because other than complaints to human rights commissions, you know, what would you like to see change in the status quo for disabled people, uh, you know, in other sectors of the telecommunications in, uh, industry? I mean, how would you if you know, if if you found this kind of issue, um, what would you do? What would you want to be done? I want people to have a voice. I want people to be able to direct, to write, to run a department and be held to the same standard everyone else has to. When things aren't going great, be asked the questions by, you know, the president, CEO or whoever. What's going on here? What's but I want it to be able to be done where it's that commonplace where it isn't a Oh my goodness, did I see a blind gentleman behind that desk there, that big one in the office? He must get lost getting out from behind that thing. Yeah. It's so big. Whatever it might be, I think that we need to be treated that way, trained the same way, and the expectations need to be there. With that given as a fact, we also need to understand many of us between here and there may not have that ability to get into positions to climb. Well, and I think... That's, That's what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, you know, first you've got to get in the door before you can make changes, right? But the door has to be able to be opened. And, and I think, you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make it drink if yeah. the person is not of that caliber, not not interested. But if they are, it's got to be that, hey, look, we'll, we'll give you the tools and get you there. Just like yeah. we, you talked about about the glass ceiling. That, that's right. I mean, it really is, you know... The, the um, Disability Screen Office is a commendable program that recently was introduced in order to remove barriers within the media landscape. Um, you know, some people have said, well, what should we be doing with the, this office? Should the government of, of Canada um, take initiative to establish this uh, screen office in a way that it actually uh, has some teeth? You know, can, can we use something that's been set up with these uh, these three organizations that have come together, the AMI, the Canadian Media Fund and Telefilm Canada, who've come together to create this um, disability screen office? You know, can the government give them a few teeth? 
I don't know the answer to that question, but it would be really interesting to see what will happen, you know, over time. It's, it's relatively new, but, um, you know, there are drawbacks to the current system. I think we've, we've mm -hmm. discussed those for, for sure. Um, when it comes to addressing the, the inequities that people with disabilities are facing in this particular industry, uh, I think talking about it, for one thing, is wonderful because the more people are aware that there's a problem, the more likely we are to start putting our heads together to find creative solutions. So, you know, this this is my hope. I'm not I'm not giving you the you know this the these data and these statistics just to bring you down because you probably knew about it anyway. But you know, to to say let's keep talking about it. Let's keep this conversation open, and let's see how many people we can bring into the fold to really work together to, to make sure that people with disabilities have a good chance to do the things they're so good at. I went to a lot of interviews after I left broadcast school wanting to get in at stations and all I kept asking PDs to do, ask me anything, yeah. any question, no matter what it is, because I have to take for granted, you're asking and I'd rather you ask what you might consider, this is a silly question, because I heard that a lot, and I would just remind them, no, no, the silly question is the one you don't ask me, the one that could be the difference of me getting a job here. Exactly really important right. to me. Thank you. Danielle, awesome segment. Thank you very much for bringing it to our attention, especially on uh, on a day when we've talked a lot about media and our friend uh, David Onley. We'll step aside for a couple moments. We'll see what's coming up tomorrow on Now with Dave Brand. Pa Brown, Paul Daniel joins us to do that, and we'll preview our show briefly tomorrow. We'll be right back after this. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. I hate to break the news to you, ladies and gentlemen, but we are about at the end of today's show. Good news is we'll be back tomorrow. We'll tell you a little bit about tomorrow's show shortly here. But uh, first, Danielle McLaughlin joining me, and she's at the head office in Toronto. I'm at the home studio in London, Ontario. We kind of like at this point just to point out a few of the segments from today's show that you may want to check out via the podcast or make sure you catch on one of the repeats of the program at uh, 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning right here on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Danielle, where do you want to start? Well, you know, I love talking with our friend Brock. I, can, I, 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 I confess, I, you know, even though I don't follow sport closely, he always manages to get me interested in something to do with sport. And today's no different. Um, I really was interested hearing his take on the uh, under-18 Women's World Hockey Championship and uh, where he thinks that's going. Um, of course, I think many of us wanted to hear about uh, the Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, how he was doing after his cardiac arrest on the field. What a shock that was. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and the, the almost silliness about um, uh, Carlos Correa and, uh, you know, seemingly <laughs> signing on to two clubs at once or something like that. Anyway, how, how that went. So, yes, I, I, as I say, I always love hearing from Brock and he, he never fails to interest me in sport, something that um, isn't easily done, I have to say. Good. 
I like it. Success. Brock, success. <laughs> yes. well, we have a winner here. Uh, no, you know, Danielle, he tries his best to break it down, and it's obvious when we when we sit down to have the segments with him. I want to point out Greg David coming in to talk about the podcast. I sit back here, and I think on the heels of your segment, maybe even more than usual with an amazing amount of pride in what content we have, what people are bringing forward, what, you know, uh, you know, Ryan and Andy are working on over there with the podcasters, uh, what's happening, uh, with Kara and the team over here, uh, for the TV side. Uh, I sometimes have been accused of being that Homer, you know, that, yeah. Yeah, that's our stuff there. And of course, all the people outside. So I really like Greg recapping and sharing with us that really a good rundown on so much available content. And I don't want to forget our friends overseas in England who are doing so much in the UK for us. So uh, thanks, everybody. And some good segments to go back from today's show. You can subscribe to the uh, Kelly and Rumya podcast. Listen to the audio vanity card as well. That's included on the uh, hour two portion of the podcast. Paul Daniels joining us now. I've got your name right this time. You were being called Paul Brand or something like that. Maybe you do sing. Uh, welcome back, sir. Hello, Kelly. I've been called the worst things, believe it or not. So, so actually, call Paul Brands is actually a step is actually a step in the right direction. So, go ahead. You know. Your own Paul, brand. It Paul D. It beats Paul D any day. Oh, really? Oh, tomorrow, oh. tomorrow's okay. show. Environmental contributor Lawrence Gunther will tell mm-hmm. us why heat pump technology is making a comeback. The type of technology energy that doesn't produce emissions contributing to climate change. So, so it's not so it's not brand new. It's been around for a long time. It's making a comeback. He'll tell us why. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Moller, our community reporter in Toronto, will discuss the chat generative pre-training Transformer 3 and the, and the capability this technology has in understanding and generating human-like text. And Greg David from the Marcom Department will join sorry, Greg David from the Marcom Department will join Alex Smythe and Karen McGee for tomorrow's news quiz. Gosh, Greg's getting around. Why? Hmm, better is. not start rumors. Yeah, we better not yeah. do that. Um, we've heard about that technology <laughs> being able to kind of write for people and everything like that. It's just so hot, and, and some of our contributors are just mm. over the moon at this prospect. All right, Paul Brand, uh, with his big brand, uh, better than Polly D. <laughs> we'll catch you tomorrow on the program. Not by much. Not by much. <laughs> Take care, Kelly. <laughs> Bye-bye, Paul. Paul out here to tell us about what's coming up tomorrow on Now with Dave Brown. You can catch their show on AMI-tv, 9 a.m. in the morning, also repeated at uh, 5 p.m. Uh, on uh, on AMI-tv. So do check them out. It's also available as a podcast. Danielle, of course, wonderful to have you joining me today, filling in. Really wonderful to get you back in the co-hosting seat. Oh, you know, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. I don't. Uh, I hope that Rami is having a lovely day, whatever she's doing today. But um, she can take another day off if she'd like. I really enjoyed this. <laughs> she's probably not having as much fun today as you are. Probably so not. we'll keep that our secret, though, <laughs> okay. right? Yes. Nobody tell her tomorrow when she's back. Thanks, Danielle. Thank you so much, Kelly. So what's happening tomorrow, folks? We're joined by nutritionist Julia Karanchis on the show. We're going to talk about smoothies and the most balanced smoothie combinations that are out there. Uh, what else we have for you? We're joined by Paula Deneen, manager of live content at AMI. We're going to be talking to her about kind of some of the things that have gone on lately. But more than that, uh, her love of Southwestern Ontario versus Toronto. Which one, I wonder? And so much more as she joins us for our Voices segment. We'll do that tomorrow, starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. Fedora's off to you, folks. Good night.
I think when we talk about advocates, such as David Onley, who passed away on the weekend as we started the show discussing, um, you think of people who really have done it all their lives, somehow learned it, maybe as a child, maybe not, maybe something that's happened has made them have to go out. Sometimes it's a parent, sometimes it's a husband or a wife, a sibling, whatever the reason is, a friend that says, you know what, I get tired of watching my friend deal with this kind of nonsense or struggle with that. So they become a designer, creator, advocate. And David Onley, in my opinion, was doing that forever, obviously dealing with a disability like many of us. But David just took that on, did it naturally, was that person that could simply explain things and say, hey, you know, this is where I see a problem and maybe we could try this, this, this or this. But then again, maybe we just need to really keep an eye on it and try to figure out how we can make it better. I think a lot of time people get trapped into if you're going to complain about something, you better have a solution. And hey, great. Sometimes we do. And if we're open to the suggestions when we make that, well, here's what we do. Well, hold on. Maybe it would be better if we did this. If we're open to those suggestions, that's fantastic. But there's nothing wrong with isolating a problem unless you're just chronic complaining and that's what what makes you happiest, uh, you know, and you put that on other people and that doesn't make them so happy. Where David Onley, even as his work at City TV would show you, was that person that found something wrong and worked to see what he could do in putting it out there and maybe hoping to affect any any change that was necessary. But for many of us in the disability community, we wanted to see that representation, right? You don't need them necessarily to come on and talk about disability. You need them to be who they are. And by that, you take pride. When I listened to David Onley and I had opportunities to sit, talk to him, interview him, he could explain something to me so that I could understand it. I I was never this big advocate out there. I certainly spoke up. I think I did my share of advocacy, but not like so many others that are out there, including David, but mostly some of the challenges, well, how does this affect me? Because we all have our own concerns that often outweigh the mass concerns, even though we do need to be a part of the solutions for those problems that serve the mass. Uh, you know, and I think when someone can explain to you in such a way that you follow, you understand and you hear their passion. It's really important and it motivates you. And David, thank you so much for being that. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. Person.